Hello and welcome to Building Futures Career Conversations, conversations with leading lights across the built environment. Today I'm really excited to have Professor Anusha Shah with me. Hello. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So I uh, was really excited to meet you because I don't know if I've already said to you, but my own background is in civil engineering. I'm not a civil engineer by degree, mm -hmm. but when I first joined Hayes 23 years ago, I started working with civil engineers. Mm -hmm. So I have to say I'm a fan of the industry. So I am, <laughs> yes, so Great. excited mm -hmm. to talk to you because you are the incoming president of the Institute of Civil Engineers. So before we go down and talk more about the Institute of Civil Engineers, which we'll come back to, mm -hmm. for everybody that hasn't researched your bio in the way that I have, can you just explain who you are and just a little bit of your bio? Sure, Gail. So I think I'll have to take you to the, the, the beautiful valley of Kashmir in Himalayas. That's where I'm from. This is the north part of India. So that's where I was born and brought up. And, and I did my initial schooling there in an Irish convent, actually, in a presentation convent school. So that's where I grew up. And I grew up amongst a lot of natural beauty, mountains and rivers and waterfalls. So that was my growing up years. I was a very outdoory person, used to play a lot, wanted to, I was a gymnast. I remember, I, now if you look at me, it's, you won't believe it, but I did, um, I won the, I was in fourth grade, I won a state gymnastic championship, so I wanted to be a sports person, but that didn't happen. You know how you actually start growing up and you're into sciences and everything else. Um, but as I grew up and then it was, I wanted to be an architect and something that does connection, there was a connection to nature. I didn't really know much. And for me, civil engineering was very much, my uncles and all were like, I thought it was all about construction, you know, just bridges and buildings. And that didn't appeal to me that time as much. So when, um, so in Kashmir, things were not going politically right. So we just um, moved to Delhi, like just me, my, my dad, my family sent me to Delhi. And that's where I, um, uh, wanted to be an architect because it was more glamorous. I was like, architecture looks amazing. But anyway, I passed all the exams, but I failed the, the drawing tests. So that's how I get, fell into civil engineering. And that was the best thing that ever happened. Isn't it funny how sometimes <laughs> exactly. that you, you know, some of the things that didn't go quite the way you expected can turn out to be exactly. the best thing that ever happened. And now I think, wow. And I saw four years of civil engineering and my first job was, believe it or not, in sustainability. It was in an NGO in Delhi, in New Delhi, and this was a UN-funded, USAID-funded NGO called Development Alternatives, and I was working in promoting sustainable building materials. This was that's, way back in 98. That's incredible. And so that's why, so sustainability became a part of my life very, very early on. And then, um, so after six months, I just thought I want to do a bit more design. And anyway, got a job, which was, again, really lucky. I, I actually walked into an office and got myself a job. And this time it was, uh, the project was in Kashmir in a lake conservation project. And because the consultant was quite happy, I'm an engineer in Delhi, but I knew my hometown really well. So, so it was a good thing for them. So while I was doing that, um, I just thought I really need to increase my knowledge in water environmental engineering. So anyway, applied for. So I used to go to a lot, uh, go to British Council a lot when I was an engineer. Somehow there's some connection with England I always had. So that's why. Um, so I applied to certain universities and I got a Con Commonwealth scholarship. And that's how I came in uh, 99 to University of Surrey to do my master's in water environmental engineering. 
and then went back to Kashmir, this time working for the government on the same project, on the Dal Lake Conservation Project. And then again, I was like, I, th I was getting into a government job. It was very cushy. I know it sounds weird, but I had a driver, I had everything, and it was too perfect. I was like, I'm too young to get all this. I need to learn a bit more. And that's when I came here for a month, and I spoke to my professors, and they said, you should get chartered. And I had no clue what a chartered engineer is. I was like, accountants are chartered, right? So anyway, applied for jobs, got into Black and & Beach, and then stayed here for like 20, 22 years. Most of my career I've worked here. In between, I was with Jacobs and they went back to India for a year to set up a team. And um, yes, so for 20, 22 years, worked in water environmental engineering, most of projects, international projects. And, uh, but parallelly, I was doing a lot of other roles outside my day job. So that's how I got introduced to IC. So I was the first chair for IC London region, the youngest and first female ever. This was, this was in it. 2010. Love it. And that's how my journey with ICE started. So while I was working in my day job, parallelly, I was, a council, I was in council for six years. Then I was exec council. Then I was on the Thomas Telford board, which is the business wing of ICE. So yeah, so my life with ICE was parallel to my day job. And then um, another charity, which I was chairing, Thames Estuary Partnership Board. And that kind of opened my open doors to non-exec work. So, yes, double work, but I've really enjoyed it all. It's quite interesting, actually, because a lot of people often say that they don't do the extracurricular mm -hmm. work because almost they don't see how it can benefit or maybe don't make the time to see how it could benefit their other career. Mm -hmm. And yet all I ever hear from people who do make the time, whether it's for their institution, whether it's volunteering in other roles mm -hmm. or on charity boards or whatever, all I ever hear from them is, actually you, don't, you can't separate the two. Yeah. Actually they both inform each other, but also they can advance both of them. Each absolutely, other. absolutely. Right. It has helped me immensely. And you know, if I had to give a career advice to youngsters, yes. I would just say really get out of your comfort zone. Um, it's just, you always think that, oh, I want to spend my evening socials. You can have socials amongst the same people while you're doing work. So, you know, I made so many friends along the years who've been ICE members, right? And so, and it's just getting out to so your, it's just, you learn every person you meet, you know, from, I would say from the receptionist to a CEO, to every person, you just come back more knowledgeable. And those little, little things, uh, it just adds up and you learn so much about people, you learn so much about life. And ultimately, I feel civil engineering ultimately is all about designing for people. So the more you get to know about people, the better I feel you are as a designer or a manager or whatever profession you do. So that's really helped me. I, I would say people have been the heart of my whole career. So you're obviously the incoming president of ICE, but you've also now got a senior role within Arcadis. Can you, can you explain more about that? Sure, so, so I joined Arcadis in 2019, and this was as um, director for Resilient Cities. Now I'm a senior director for Resilient Cities, which means that, um, and I'm also a UK climate adaptation lead, so I've got a global team, and we are really working together to see across the world, how do we make cities which are resilient to climate change, we're sustainable, they're inclusive, and really every project helps in benefiting nature and people. So it's, it's not just policy. So whereas in the industry, I talk a lot of policy when it comes to my day job, it's a huge opportunity to actually implement what I'm talking about so I can get both sides of the fence, you know, so I see where the problems are. 
I see where the innovations can happen. I see how you connect policy to implementation and, and where, where are gaps where we need to fill in and I, you know, feedback that back to policy and industry through white papers. So it's a really good mix. I, and I love it because what I love about the new generation that's coming through of kids that are deciding about their further education or, or maybe coming out of university is they're so purpose driven. They really want to make an impact. And, and I sort of feel like I'm on a, a personal mission, but I know there's so many of us that are on this mission together, which is to show that the careers in the built environment mm -hmm. are so purpose driven because as much as I like to think, you know, eating vegetarian three times a week, recycling mm -hmm. my, you know, all, the, all my yeah. goods, trying to drink oat milk is going to make a difference to the environment. The truth of it is, is the built environment contributes to, the, to, to, to net, as it, net carbon zero. It is a problem at the moment, but it can also be the solution. Absolutely. And so to me, that's so inspiring for kids coming through that they can really genuinely play a role. Absolutely. How do you think, though, we can better kind of, I don't know, get that message across because... Children that are really good, at, as you've said as a child, you know, the maths, the sciences, there is a lot of choice. You talked about architecture, now there's tech, there's pharma, there's other things they could do. How do you think we can better sell as the built environment as a wider industry to, to, to kids saying, come here, we're, we're a good place to get your career? <laughs> Absolutely, Gail. I think it's, it's a very simple message, you know, if you say, would, do you want to be in a profession which is at the leading edge of actually doing good for the people and planet? you want to leave a better legacy the answer is yes then you take them to through the route right because at the same and currently we are in a place as you rightly said that we have contributed so much to the carbon emissions we've contributed to the problem on one hand we built some iconic structures and infrastructure with which people are connecting with each other so that's all brilliant but along the way somewhere we took a lot from the environment and now is the time to give back to nature. It's almost like nature's written us a brief and we need to listen to nature. And that's where I am, that's what my presidency is going to be about, is not about hard infrastructure. Of course, built it where it's absolutely needed, but it's nature first. How do you, through your projects, and there's so many brilliant examples around the world where people are designing in harmony with nature, because nature, even though we've taken so much from it and it's never sent us an invoice for yes, the benefits IOU it's given. Yes, IOU can be quite big now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yet it's ready to give, it, give back to us. So, for example, whether it's, you know, um, sustainable urban drainage system, blue-green roofs, it gives you multiple benefits, you know, whether it's dealing with air pollution, uh, reducing the flow of water, good for health and well-being, what's not good in it? It, right and there's so many projects like that so I think we have to start presenting the civil engineering profession better so while um, you know Thomas Telford and Brunel were known for iconic structures uh, we'll be known for some of the structures where we retrofitted Absolutely, right yeah how we how we use buildings materials how we reused it how we used it sustainably and also how we actually reverse the biodiversity decline we took a lot but now we've given it back and that's what's going to be our legacy and if you want to be a part of that legacy join us you know you've seen people kids out on street if you talk to them like this what do you think? They would join us, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like I do this whenever I'm around young people. 
I feel like I'm on a mission to sort of explain. And also, I think that it's an industry, you know, civil engineering, you can travel the world with it. Exactly. That, because ultimately, they're human problems. To me, civil engineering is about solving human problems. Totally. How do you travel from A to B? How do you get um, clean, you know, dirty water back into clean water? Exactly. How can you build sustainable buildings so that we have places to live or places to study or places to socialise? So to me, it's at the core of of really what it is to be a human and how do we get more people to go actually this is this is a great place to be and and hopefully things like we're doing on this series mm -hmm. helps to promote that and if anyone's thinking about it they go actually this is this is a great initiative. this is a great career this is a great career and I would say this is also a huge opportunity to redesign cities because if you look around cities we haven't designed it for everyone so whilst we retrofitting, whilst we designing in harmony with nature and giving back to nature, we also need to design inclusively. So it's no good just to have a ramp for a wheelchair and that's not inclusive design. You need to think about a pregnant mother. How is she going to feel on a hot weather day on a tube? Um, an elderly person walking or someone who's partially sighted. Do we need cobble streets every, everywhere? They can't even walk and enjoy those. So, you know, really getting into the details of persons across the spectrum and have you thought of everyone and where you can't design but at least you've got almost like a mitigation plan so giving them that respect because we we look around the cities we've created so much blockers for people and some of them don't even say it we, but we don't know how it feels and disability can be in all forms neurodivergent people they're not very good with some of the spaces or the paints on the walls we give you know so we've never looked at things in detail so I think our scope of work has now changed it's about reusing repurposing buildings multifunctional infrastructure keeping nature first designing for everyone and it's very exciting it is it, it's just I just like feel like wow I, I wish when I look at the graduates and the young people I was like I want to go back yeah. and I want to do it again and it's just a really exciting time to be an engineer or, or a built environment professional. For I was going to say, you, you have this really clear, to me, view of inclusivity. You seem to, 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 it's sort of pouring out of you in the sense of not only how you seem to do your job, but when I was reading your bio, it's obviously an area you feel really passionately about. It's something I see that you've got involved with in all stages of your career. What have you learn or what wisdom do you have to share on that and your journey of clearly you care very much about D&I mm -hmm. so what advice can you give to I don't know employers or organizations who want to you know write on a board somewhere and say we, we want to, to to be more inclusive but how can they actually bring that to life? Sure Gail I think firstly I would say um, what has been amazing is there's a real intent to do something about EDI. Yes. So that I really want to acknowledge across the industry. Because when I look 10 years ago, when I was, you know, 10 or 20 years ago, this wasn't even talked about. And even part of my career journey, when I look back and I say, gosh, how did I put up with that? Um, so we've come a long way. So that needs to be acknowledged. But there's a long road to go. You know, we have so many things we still need to do. And I think it's fundamentally making it pervasive throughout everything we do, look at everything through an inclusivity lens from the time you hire someone, recruitment consultants, through the time you bring someone, how you're treating them, how you're giving them equitable opportunities within the workplace, to how you design infrastructure. Are you having the right people on board? Who's on the board? Are you so? So for example, I think if you look across the spectrum of inclusivity, um, 
ultimately, infrastructure we're building is for the future generation. You know, another 20 years, they're going to use it. But they are the real stakeholders, but we don't have them on boards. How do you get younger people? Yeah. How do you get younger people, one voice on on board, so they act as a conscience because they're the biggest stakeholders, right? And equally, they learn on the job. They get into leadership quickly. They understand where the problems are for leaders, and you know they go back to their day jobs and they can see and they have more empathy with what leaders are trying to do. So it's like a win-win situation. Then you come to gender. I think we still have pay disparity. On one hand, we say with 21st century innovation, digital, AI, gosh, and you name it, and yet we are paying women less. It just doesn't marry up. There's something fundamentally wrong. It's how the writing is on the wall. It just, we shouldn't even have to ask for it, right? In fact, if I hate to say I, I might be whatever for it, but women go through so much in their lives, whether it's, you know, pregnancy to hormonal or something, and they just have to do so much more hard work than an average man, and yet they get, get paid less. How is that fair? Right. Then you come to, uh, I've talked about neurodivergent people. Absolutely. They have so much to offer. They're brilliant. But get, giving them the right type of jobs, recognizing where they fit in and what they have a flair for. You come to ageism. So many people be say 50 about, oh, I'm not really sure. Come on. They have the wisdom. Yeah. You can learn so much from Absolutely. them and they're ready to learn. Absolutely. You know, or, or, or people who go for caring or, you know, it could be anything or sabbatical. They come back and they come to a job which was like as if they've come from, you know, a completely different planet and they don't know. But what people don't realize is whilst they've been away to stay in touch, they're the ones who read NCE more than I do, New Civil Engineer. Absolutely. They, they know more about yes. the industry compared to people who are in the industry and they have so much to offer and so many of women we've lost along the way and I wish we could bring them back because we've lost so much talent there's so much skills shortage and we need all hands on deck to deal with the climate and nature emergency absolutely. bring them back absolutely you know they've gone into other careers so it's about you know really thinking about things differently or LGBTQ there's still countries where they're really kind of you know they really struggle and we are a global organization. We are all global organizations. We sh just shouldn't be bystanders, you know. If you are, you're just, you're not really helping. You're complicit. Absolutely. So, so there's across the spectrum, there's so much you can do. Or, for example, and I, I would say to recruiters, you still have people, if you call the Sam someone, you're more likely to get um, interviewed than if you have a South Asian name or an African name or it's difficult to pronounce. And there have been so many researches. Yeah. And, and you look around yourself, how many, gen, uh, how many ethnic minorities do you see at senior levels? So, you know, you need role models. I hope I'm not Absolutely. the last one. I, I, that's one of the things. Yes, I've opened the doors. But what would make me really, really happy is that, you know, it starts, you know, everyone has an opportunity and it's a girl sitting somewhere in an Asian household or an African household can see this is it. I can do it. You know, that that's what's going to make me really, really happy is, yes, I got the opportunity and I'm really happy. And yes, I've worked very, very hard for it. And uh, but but I'll tell you one thing, Gail, you know, I never kind of thought I would be a president of ICE. It wasn't in my scheme of things. I was just busy working, you know. And I would say, like, you know, I know it sounds very cliched, like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, they say, we never planned to do this, we never dreamt of it, but when we, you look back, you know how to connect the dots. Yeah. But that's exactly what happens. You know, somehow things that happened in my life, and I was taking myself out of comfort zone, 
and I, I'm a risk taker, so I used to do things. I was like, I'll see what happens, right? But it somehow connects and somehow you're meant to be where you're meant to be. And I think what really helps is a very clear purpose. And my message yeah. is very simple now. No matter which forum I sit on, it's like, if you're kind to the planet and people, that's all you need. It's very simple for me. If you look through that lens, I don't think you'll go wrong. And of course, you won't always get the solutions, but somewhere you join up with someone else and someone else has a solution, right? So it's, um, yeah. I, I love it. I love it as I was going to ask you actually that because as you, as people looking from the outside to you, you are, have been immensely successful and you're about to come into the presidency in November of the Institute of Civil Engineers. You know, someone looking at you would go, wow, like she is really, you know, not even the pinnacle of a career. She could go even further beyond this. What's the wisdom that you want to share with others to say, you've already started to do that, some of the things you said, but what have you learned along the way? If you could go back and, and speak to other 18-year-olds now who, who would say, oh, I'd love in the end at some point to be the president of ICE, what would you say that you've done? Is it something you do yourself or is it a way you treat others that you think has been why in the end has been maybe one of the most, the biggest reasons as to why you've been so successful? Sure, Gail. I think if I look back, um, it has been very much whoever I've met in life, whether it's been informally, formally, professionally, personally, I've somehow had, and you know, some of my friends call me, and you're too innocent in these things. You didn't see what he meant, or you know. So I've always taken people with a positive intent. Yeah. I've always seen. I've never thought, oh, this could be wrong. So I will. So I think that has really helped me. So I always look at the this person is no, he can't do wrong. He, there must be something good, you know. Yeah. So I think that somewhere helps. So that's one, the positive intent, having yeah. faith in people. Yes. You know, yeah, of yeah. course, some people not always have being supporters yeah. but I've seen it's like one of those you know punch bags where I've got a punch I've bounced back yeah. and the more they've said no the more I wanted to do those things yeah. and that's really pushed me forward Resilience. but you need both types of people as I say people come in your life some to really take you forward some to give you lessons and I really believe in it some yeah. people are clear supporters you can see it but some people are critics but you you need to listen to them as well because you're not perfect, right? So you need to see why. There must be something they said and maybe look inside, you know? I need to improve on these things. And I have a quench of, like, learning. I just feel I'm just always wanting to learn and not just from my profession. Like, even when I was doing civil engineering, my friends were in film and media. Right, So right, I right. would sit with them more than my engineering friends or English literature. Always, I always had this connection outside my day work. Mm. And that's really kind of helped me broaden my perspective. I can see that because I have seen you operate both talking to me, but also how you talk to others. And you do put a lot of effort and energy into building connections with people. I can see that. And you're so incredibly warm and yet at the same time humble, you know, and, and, and I think that's so welcoming to people because I think that sometimes if you think about you and your title, you know, professor and you're about to be incoming president ICE, people might be intimidated by you. But actually, because you're so positive and warm, then people straight away forget that and treat you as you. And that means that they are there to support you. But also, as you've said, they probably feel able to naturally help you give you feedback, help you to grow as people, as a person. I I, by the way, I love that point you just made, that wisdom you just shared about how people are there for you. But also, you've learned a lot from the people 
that have not you've not been easy to get on with yeah. and I think that's that's so so important isn't it you exactly. if you can sit back learn observe mm. take something even from the most difficult situations mm. then then actually often it's the most difficult situations that we learn and grow from the most it's just the resilience to see it through isn't it definitely you know that's why some of the tough times I've had in my career are people who've who I've met have, have sub, said some really nasty things to me. But, you know, when I look back, I, at that point, of course I felt bad. I'm human. You know, I did feel bad, but I didn't let it simmer inside me. I just moved on to the next thing. And seriously, in my whole scheme of things, if I had to, like, plan or make a picture of it, it just becomes insignificant. And, I, and something my husband said, and I, le I learned a lot from my husband, actually. He's been a very positive influence in my life. And he said, you know, when there are problems, just fly over it. And then see, you know, in the whole scheme of things, does it matter what he said to you or she said to you, you know, and yeah. maybe listen and listen what they said and think, was there something you could have done better? Mm. You know, and that really helps. And I think another thing I want to say, especially the, to the younger generation is, and I genuinely feel that even now when I'm like super, super busy, it's if someone reaches out to you for support, for so help, uh, at least respond to them, even to say no. You know, I've seen in my career when I have reached out to people and people haven't responded, it feels really oh, yes. um, disrespectful. That's and I know sometimes on LinkedIn, I still have a lot, lot of messages I haven't responded to, but I'm saying, but I do make an effort. Mm -hmm. And something I feel and I genuinely feel when you give more to people and you share knowledge, you kind of reinforce your own knowledge and you learn more. Sometimes you don't even know that you knew it. But when you talk to someone, you're like, oh, gosh. That sounded intelligent, you know? So that, yes. so more, I would say give more, you get more. I, I, I really believe that. I and think it's a karma thing. It's it something, is. something that I've seen when I've helped someone within yeah. months or within days, something else has come to me, which wasn't meant for, but yet it happened. I, I, and I totally believe in that. I think yeah. if you put it out there in the end, it does come back to you. It does. It, it and does. it does. It does. And, and, and you, sometimes you have to wait. Exactly. You know, sometimes exactly. and it exactly. isn't. It isn't like you said about an IOU. It's not an IOU that you get back within like you know, two minutes. Yes. But I, I, I totally agree with you because I think that is how you build resilience. Exactly. Is that you're able to zoom out and go. It's about just get through today mm -hmm. and just keep going. Mm -hmm. And actually, perspective, as you yes. said, zooming out mm -hmm. of the emotion of that moment, exactly. zooming out, getting through it. Let the emotion go up, come back down again, carry on. And then when you have the perspective to go, what could I learn from that? And that's when, even as you said, sometimes we learn more from the hard of times, don't we? Than the you ones do, we often don't look seriously. back and go, why was that so easy? Why did I do that? Exactly. It's when you take a moment to go, right. This is why it happened. Yes. And, you know, and I would say sometimes when you have a setback and, you know, all these things, I just said, like, it's so philosophical. Why do all these older people talk about these things? Now you understand, you know, yes. what your parents used to say. <laughs> yes. uh, when you get a setback, there's a reason. There's always a blessing. You, there was meant to be something else which was meant for you. Yeah. You know, at that moment, it's like, oh, my God, I didn't get this, you know. Why was I not good? And you feel discouraged. But somewhere, you know, you, you get much better. Mm. And that's, that was more suited to you than what you would have got initially. Yeah, so I think it's keeping up the hope as well. Never, ever feel dejected. And, and I think, um, unfortunately, you know, coming to EDI, I have felt because I mentor a lot of people and I share, I mean, I'm on panel discussions, I meet so many people. Recently, I, I met a really young guy and I felt so much for him. He 
he shared with me and that I thought, well, my God, this is so good. He's sharing something. So he actually walked with me from IC to um, we, we started talking and he said, do you have five minutes? I said, yeah, absolutely. So we started walking to Westminster Station. We ended up talking. He came to, I had to go to Stratford. He actually came to London, London Bridge to, to West Ham and then he came back. So because we couldn't stop talking okay. and he that? was telling me, about his life. He'd come as, an, um, as a student here and things hadn't got well for him and so much that he, you know, two weeks ago, he'd almost thought of harming himself. So I thought, no, my God, I have to give him the time. And I really gave him a pep talk. And I, you know, so many times I think of him, I hope he's okay. He had to go back to India. And, you know, life happens, you know, things happen in people's lives. But if you get that one person, I hope I helped him in a little way. But if everyone talks to people, we can, yeah. we can, you know, we might not give them an immediate solution. I wasn't able to give them a, a job straight away. But just to talk to them and bring them out so there are opportunities exactly. and there's other ways to see. And then I gave him my, I told him about my story and how many setbacks I've had. And he said, oh, I didn't know about that. You know, simple things like that. Yes. Share. We, share. We, share actually, it's, it's funny, interesting. When I think about the way I phrased the questions to you. I've asked about the successes, almost the milestones and what is your wisdom. But actually, we have to be more honest about the fact that it doesn't all go, you know, it's all linear. You know, it, it's, you know, that's that phrase, you know, it took 25 years to be an overnight success. Yes. You know, it's, it's all the work, you know, in, in the iceberg. People only see the bit at the top. What they don't see is What's the diligence, the hard work, the late nights, the, all Absolutely. the bits that you do, the volunteering you do on things like ICA or other professional organizations. Mm -hmm. They don't see all that stuff. True. They see the end product and think it's it's easy but interesting when I've been doing this video series what I can see as a common thread is yes I meet highly motivated people very purpose-driven people but I also the common thread is hard work it has it is trust <laughs> me no one has come in and said no. oh I've become hugely successful the built environment overnight it's a surprise to me no, it's been a real culmination of years of effort and also compromising sometimes on your own personal life yeah. you know I've missed out on a lot of parties yeah. the youngsters go to in my 20s right because something this used to motivate me I don't know I, I was a nerd in this way about purpose was very much clear to me at the beginning I think maybe partly because I've come from Kashmir which is kind of conflict-ridden. I've seen a lot of things. I've seen, I've been very close to what has happened to people. So that's kind of matured me earlier than maybe rest of the generations. And so I I have, or, or I watch, and you know, I watch a lot of films. By the way, my dad was a filmmaker, wow. a documentary filmmaker. So films has been a big part of my life. And, and that's how I connected to my husband as well. So I think watching films and, and knowing the stories of what has happened to people and then seeing how does it connect to you, you know, no matter what we do in a few years time or whenever, we have to leave this world. How do you want to leave this world? Just you just came and went, you know, just passed by, or do you want to leave something somewhere where you can feel at the end of your life, whenever that is, and if you get to know when you're dying, like I did something, something yeah. simple, and it's not always possible. I haven't done the most amazing things always, but I try to do every day in some way, and that is what has really helped me, and that's why I love civil engineering. Yeah. Because civil engineering gives you that platform because you're the closest to society. You can improve the lives of people. Just imagine a really like flustered person and wants to travel from A to B and you've provided him with something that eases his day to something like climate change and nature emergency. We've got the solutions. Like you said, you know, not taking a transatlantic flight could be a few tons of carbon, but the decisions we make could impact hundreds of thousands of carbon. 
Absolutely. So, so we have we have such a huge opportunity. Like with ICE, we've done some. You know, they're doing some amazing. All of us are doing low carbon concrete work of the PAS 2080, which is a new standard. Looking at how the hierarchy of solutions is like no build is a design option as well. You don't have to build, Absolutely. build, build Absolutely. all the time. <laughs> you know, so it yeah. is a design option. So yeah. it's just changing the mindset of the industry. And uh, and if we know that you know we are living in a hyper connected world. And people are far more intelligent. So gone is, are the times when you say, oh, we're building this project, so how do we deal with the community? What do we tell them? They know it now. They're so interested. You know, I talk to my neighbors and they're like, they're so interested in what I do. Absolutely. And they're like, my friends are like, how can we help? Please tell me, how do, you, how do we help your work? What can I do as a housewife? Yeah. I have a friend, she's a housewife with two kids. She's like, Anusha, tell me, what can I do in my community? You know, so it's like inspiring those people as well because... So it's uh, that's what I feel, and you know, civil engineering so close to societal, societal good yeah, and absolutely. environmental good. Absolutely. So, thank you so much for coming in thank today. I have you are such a warm person, and I can see why you are so inspiring to people. I feel like we need to take this video and show it to every sixteen-year-old oh, so that they you. choose civil engineering because <laughs> we're going to need we're going to need them to come oh, in. It's and, such and a pleasure you asked me the right questions. Oh, oh, there you really go. Helped. Oh, there you go. So, because it's, such a pleasure to meet you, Gail. Oh, so it's been amazing. I think that I hope that people are inspired, but I also hope people are inspired to see your candor around the challenges you've had and to know that resilience, zooming out on moments of intensity, knowing that sometimes, even if you can't see it in the moment, mm -hmm. just giving it time and actually you may reframe the way so you look good. at something, just the way you've also described, we have to reframe the way we look at buildings and sometimes no build is the right option. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I love that way you look at things in a different way and that really inclusive, warm way, I have no doubt your, your presidency will be from November onwards. So thank you so much. And thank you to everybody for watching. You can find more of these videos, Building Futures, Career Conversations on our Hayes YouTube channel and also follow us on LinkedIn.